ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew. Right now, there are over 7 million podcasts in existence, and you chose this podcast to do your Jewish learning from, and I couldn't be more grateful to you for giving me your time. Thank you so much. With me today is Dr. Logan Levkoff. Logan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Listen, we're here today to talk about the... overall experience of the Jewish mother what is the role of the Jewish mother it's just in time for Mother's Day as well by the way so we are really, really enthusiastic about that on that note I would love to learn about you and how you got to where you are today and give you the opportunity to just explain some of these passions that are that are behind you you're very passionate about having uncomfortable conversations about about sexual therapy is that correct how, how yes, I'm a sexuality educator by sexual that's right sexual sexuality educators so with that I would love to love to hear your story we do on here the right of entry the bad you challenge telling your life story in four minutes are you ready I I will make it work excellent ready set go <laughs> all right excellent I was born in the mid 1970s and grew up to a uh, Jewish family on Long Island and Um, we weren't super religious in terms of practicing. I mean, we, we definitely had a proud Jewish and Zionist identity. We were members of a reform synagogue. Um, but I grew up around lots of Jews. So talking about um, Judaism and Israel and social justice was always really a, a, a focal point in our, in our lives. Um, I also grew up with a grandfather who was an American Zionist leader. And so we were uh, exposed to Israel and stories and history always from a really young age. Um, really, though, what I think it started me on this path to uncomfortable conversations is that I always grew up knowing that with, um, you know, privilege, and I would use that word, I mean, in a different way than we use it today, but that, you know, I had access to a lot of things. And my parents always taught us that with, you know, privilege came responsibility to use our voice for things that were important to us. And back then, quite frankly, it wasn't that Judaism wasn't important to me. It was critically important to me. I, I became a bat mitzvah. I, I was confirmed. I went on March of the Living. I, I did a summer in Israel. I traveled with my family. Um, but it was easy to be Jewish. back then so or at least it felt that way so one one of the, the the issues I lent my voice to was HIV and AIDS and I became a peer HIV and AIDS educator when I was 15 years old and because I had a big mouth and I wasn't afraid to use it um, I found myself going to college and doing the same things I was writing the first anonymous sex advice column at my school I was writing articles on female masturbation and no one was doing that back then I'm not masturbating writing about <laughs> <laughs> what I mean. well, um, it's okay if you were I mean okay, no yeah. I mean no no I meaning I wasn't the only one but I you know obviously <laughs> maybe the only one writing about it at the time in my in my own circle um and I wound up having this amazing opportunity to be cut to get a master's and then a PhD and become a sexuality educator and work in schools and with young people and with organizations and media and issues um you know making provocative issues more comfortable to people you know I always believe in being provocative with a purpose um and that's sort of the how I've how I've led my life um to talk about things in in big bold ways but not to be gratuitous and so really what has happened in the last few years um, I am the parent of a of an 18 year old son and a 14 year old daughter and I've watched the world around us 
as it relates to sexuality change, for sure, in a lot of amazing positive ways, despite certain political issues. Um, but also the world about around Judaism and Zionism has become super challenging. And so about two years ago, I watched um, in May of 2021, when Hamas was having a war with Israel, I watched some of my communities who were super liberal and thoughtful and progressive support Hamas. And I freaked out and said, you know what? I, I've never hidden my Jewishness or my Zionism from anyone, right? But I didn't realize I had to have it front and center to remind people about who I was. And at that moment on, I decided that perhaps my uncomfortable conversations were going to move from sexuality um, into Judaism and Zionism too, which is where I find myself today. Wow. Well, look at that. <laughs> and with 30 seconds on the clock, you used your time very well. I also, <laughs> I wanted to point out as well, the way that I got in touch with Dr. Levkov is that I was on TikTok and I kept on seeing her content pop up. And really, a lot of her content is responding to her comment section. A lot of her comment section, you get trolls. I get trolls too. We all get trolls. People just leaving anti-Semitic rhetoric, anti-Zionist rhetoric, a lot of stuff like, wow, um, you're like, I, I, I think the one that caught my eye was some posts that claim that Jews are just white people. And you explained that we were actually an ethno religion. Thus, we are not white or Jewish. They don't like and that. They don't, they, they, don't, they do not like that at all. They, they don't like that. But you've also been a voice as a Zionist. And so that's what, that's really what caught my attention is just the way that you are able to talk about these controversial topics, kind of like what you were just describing in your little four minute intro there uh, in a productive way. That's really what I strive for. That's what this bad Jew WhatsApp community strives for. By the way, this episode was a specific question from the bad Jew WhatsApp community. And I also want to give a special shout out to a friend of mine, uh, Arya Ifrach. She got me this new kippah here. So you'll see me wearing it a lot more often here. I need smaller kippahs that kind of fit this like hairline. So she got me like this nice little kippah and she's, she's a personal friend of mine. And I just wanted to give her a shout out on the show. It was very sweet of her to do. So thank you, Ariel. It really means the world. You are my achot. So thank you. Dr. Levkov, today we are here to talk about in lieu of Mother's Day, what is the role of the Jewish mother? What is it? It's it's such a it's such a great question, right? Because I think Jewish moms have a particular stereotype, perhaps at least in the states. You know, overly intrusive, neurotic. You know, hyper vigilant about everything that goes on in their kids' lives. You know, to the point where basically um, they almost become the butt of the of the joke a lot of times, and. I am so proud of being a Jewish mom because I feel like I've really been able to not just turn that stereotype on its head, but but really embody what I think Jewish motherhood is all about, which is truth telling, which is, yeah, being vigilant about the world around you and making sure that the people in your life are prepared with facts and tools and the strength, you know, personal strength, emotional strength to go out there and tackle the world. Not because we're neurotic, but rather because we know what's out there and the best we can do for the young people in our lives is to pre prepare them. Right. I, I mean, I have to be honest, I don't want my kids living with me for the rest of their lives. Like it is time <laughs> to move on. But I right. want them to do so with confidence and self-esteem and, and, you know, and recognizing what's out there because I'm not always going to be there. And that's, you know, that, to me, that's what being 
a Jewish mother is, is, is being a storyteller and being a truth teller. And, you know, yeah, and so, does sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. But delivery is important too. That's true. That's true. And a lot of what you do is very much about the delivery. I wanted to point out as well, by the way, I really appreciate you acknowledging kind of the stereotype. First thing I did, by the way, I, I always do research before I do any episode. I have to do research. It's my job. But here's something. When you type in Jewish mother, right, you get a lot of images like this that pop up, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the stereotypical Jewish mother feel this kind of neurotic, like in your face, always wearing glasses, probably knitting <laughs> something on the side. Uh, texting you 24 seven. Okay. That's my mother issues. <laughs> but <laughs> shout out to my mom, Lori Volk. She's the best, but there, there are these, there are these stereotypes that exist. And yet one things that are the things that are never included in the Jewish stereotype is the delivery of, you know, what's important, what keeps the house, like what, what keeps the house whole, you know, you, you, you all really have a really important role to play in this unif unifying way. And I'm not trying to explain, I'm not trying to bring it down to gender roles, but I am saying that you are a glue in a certain sense. Can you speak to that in, in, in any way? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, as someone who's in the world of sexuality and gender a lot, the way I use the word like motherhood, that tent is big. Right? right. It's welcoming and it's big. And so if I, you know, if I use a certain word, it's not because I'm being like super binary or rigid in my definitions, but just the tent is big. And, you know, if you're part of it, amazing. You know, I, I did my own research too, because I mean, yes, we always talked about the matriarchs. In fact, when I was, when I was confirmed in 10th grade, we each had to have a project. Now, remember, this is uh, 1992, I think. And we were still doing the Amidah with just the men. And it was my project. I, I got to choose a project and I chose to add the matriarchs. And it's so funny now because so many synagogues do that now. But I remember that was my, clearly a feminist always, that was my project back then. But in, in, my, in my little bit of research too, I, I, you know, one of the things that I, I found is King Solomon saying, do not forsake the Torah of your mother, right? Mm. That, that mother's Torah is oral right? It's, it's not written, but it is that glue. It is the storytelling. It is the heart, right? And the soul of, of who we are, which I think is so, is so powerful. I mean, you know, Ezekiel calls mothers a lioness. And it's funny, that's really how I see myself in, in so many ways, particularly in this fight against anti-Semitism, right? And unfortunately, right. with the young people in my life and their peers, I have had to be that lioness. And I've had to gather other lionesses and, and, and help them. And I think that's what this new platform or voice for me is all about, is showing young people that you can be fierce and you can be graceful and you can be funny and still fight what you need to fight. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully I'm modeling that in some ways. I mean, some people are going to hate it as always, which is fine. <laughs> but hopefully the people in my life like it. Right, right. I've heard the expression as well, like, like a Jewess or, or, or a Zioness, right? In, in this battle that you're describing, what is the biggest challenge with it? Oh, I mean, with, with, young, with young people or in just, just being a public Jew? Because I think that there are, <laughs> I mean, I think that there are challenges with both. You know, and it's really interesting because I had this really, um, you know, I had a, a public career and not like an enormous career, but I did a lot of, um, you know, talking head stuff on the news. I worked on a reality TV show for three years, um, you know, not as a participant, as one of the, <laughs> as one of the experts. 
And no one really seemed to care about the fact that I was Jewish back then, or at least right. in, in that, <laughs> or so it seemed. Um, all of a sudden, it seems to have become a much bigger bigger deal. Um, but that means for me that I'm onto something, right? And that it is time to push back. That, you know, the emboldened hate that has emerged, you know, this unapologetic hate seems to have found its place. And so I sort of feel like it's my job to push it back down or get rid of it entirely. Um, but I, I, I find that the, the challenging thing, I mean, obviously there are huge conversations and challenges in talking about Israel and Zionism because it has been so maligned and demonized and apparently facts don't matter, right? In our in our, in our post-truth world, facts seem to not matter. And yeah, there are complexities. There are complexities to talking about why Jews have been successful in certain careers, right? Yeah. And that's okay to talk about them, but you have to talk about the history and, and why, Right. right? Why? Because we were, you know, ousted from every other field. Um, right. So there are all these nuanced conversations. And I think for me, the biggest challenge has been that people don't want to don't want to talk about complexities. Things are either black or white. Pick a side, stick to it. And if you veer from that, then you're out. Right. And I, I can't live in a world like that because the world has never been about, you know, simply you are good or you are, are bad. Right. Right. Obviously, as the podcast is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, on that note, I mean, first of all, you touched up on something that I think I haven't had the chance to talk about much on the show when it comes to anti-Semitism. And that is the fact that a lot of the hate that we're experiencing that comes with these half truths, right? A lot of it comes from the justification of no, no, I, I don't I don't hate Jews. I just hate Jews that love Israel, which is really saying <laughs> Jews are only valid if you are conveniently aligned with my political beliefs. Right. And that is not conducive to a dialogue. Uh, no. Like that's, that's not coming from a place of understanding or asking any questions about the history or the context, kind of like what you're just describing. You know, if we look at the inquisition, you could see where a lot of these, a lot of Jews got their professions that they know today. Right. If you look at, in general, I, I I don't know. There's just there's just a lot of there's a lot of history. There's a lot of nuances, especially by the way, the comment section is a brutal place. They say rule number one is about the internet. It's don't look, don't read the comment section. Well, as a Jewish educator, you have to, right? Yeah. That's you you face it. And also as an educator in general, as a sexual <laughs> educator, you do that as well. It is, so I'm curious how did how did going from how did how did being a sexual educator end up tying into the to the Jewish study? That part I don't fully understand yet you mean why why i why i made the why i made the move or why i how it how it evolved yeah basically i think it evolved out of necessity i was watching my field and voices and issues that i had amplified for my whole life right even if i wasn't a part of a community things that i really believed in and supported and were so aligned with my jewish values in a in a lot of ways sort felt i felt like everyone was turning on Jews because they were putting this, um, you know, for lack of a better term, like very myopic, very American, like the racial binary that exists here, we're just going to drop it on a place that's been around for thousands of years and say like, this is good and this is bad. And to me, I, I, I it's unfathomable that anyone could do that, but that's how I was feeling. And I was, I was watching people that I really like and admire take these sides that were just it felt so ugly. It felt so mean. And it felt it felt so deeply personal. 
And I realized that I, I, I come from a line of unapologetic Jewish and Zionist leaders. And in a lot of ways, my training as a sexuality educator, you know, I've, I've, all, I've been trained to deal with adversity. You know, like I've been on Fox News before. They love me mm -hmm. and I love, they don't really love me, but it's okay. It makes for, it used to make for good TV. Now it's, now I, I don't think I would do it today, but it used to. But I've, you know, but I've been trained for debate and, and conflict. And, and I think that's where I really excel. But I didn't think that I was going to have to defend my right to live with dignity and to defend my own history. And all of a sudden I was, and I realized, you know what? I have these skills and I have this voice and I have like some sort of platform. I mean, it's not enormous, but it's a platform. And so if I don't do it, actually it wasn't that no one else would. It, it's more like I, I have a responsibility to use my platform, you know, not just because of, because I think I'm important, but also raising children and seeing the hate that develops on these platforms. From And, and I don't care what side of the political spectrum anti-Semitism comes from. It's all the same to me. Right, left, right, center. It doesn't make a difference. Anti-Semitism is anti-Semitism, right? And so I'm watching all of my young people in my life and my students on these platforms, and my some of my friends and some of my peers are like kind of clueless about what their what their kids are exposed to. So one of the reasons I started making these videos, <laughs> responding to these trolls, was I wanted my peers to see, like, wake up, wake up. Like the time is now. You think it like you think it only exists when you see it on TV. No. And it's and it's in your home, right? It's in the phone. It sits next to you. It's all over. So, you know, wake up. Um, and then now it's just become, you know, funny to respond to some of the dumbest comments of all time. Of course. The the I I, I do enjoy dumb comments, but at the same time, a dumb comment left unattended or a dumb comment with no context can just be playing out just flat out harmful but yes, the one thing sure. i want to yeah uh, one thing i really want to emphasize though is you acting as the role model for your children and i i know that you know i one thing i did first of all is i went into you know again i did my research and i found from my jewish learning my jewish learning has a really great article about this kind of concept you knows that you know jewish mothers in the 21st century are embracing traditional practices they kind of have all this, but through it all, we are struggling with it and what it means to be a contemporary mother and to be a Jewish mother today, complicating an already complex dynamic and examining the very notion of what it means to be Jewish in all of the 21st century permutations. So you, you acknowledge that. And then they had a part two here. I took this other screen grab. So yet we remain Jewish mothers in ways explicit and articulated, confident and ambivalent kind of like what you're describing as the lioness, right? We find joy in welcoming our children, celebrating holidays, comfort in enjoying the foods, music of our childhoods and communities and healing it in times of grief. Whatever the reason, our journeys throughout through motherhood and Judaism can be exciting and empowering, connecting to our past and our values, even if sometimes we find more questions and answers can help the grounds us in, chain, in, in an age of seemingly endless possibilities for shaping life and raising children. And, and I think it's just a really nice way of kind of, you know, kind of buttoning up what you just described here, which is, you know, you're setting an example, you're keeping a home and ultimately your children are going to be reflecting a lot of the behaviors that you have in this fight that you've been participating in. How have you seen that impact your children? I have to admit, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that most, most Jewish moms say my kids are amazing and not in the like, they're amazing. Do you want to date them? Why? It's I mean, 
they're still young. Um, <laughs> they're amazing in that they have really developed in very different ways their their own voice in this fight. Um, they have both stood up to anti-Semitic incidents. You know, they have developed a a one a very loud strength and one a much quieter strength, but equally important. And, and yeah, I mean, part of it was because they grew up in a home hearing me talk about our identity and our stories and that we were Jewish, not just, you know, you're not Jewish just because you follow all of these practices and do things traditionally, because that's not how we do it. But we're Jewish because of our shared ancestry and our homeland and our stories. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, right, I mean, to really sum it up, you know, when you're dealing with anti-Semites, does it really make a difference if you're perceived by a political party as a good Jew or a bad Jew? You know, in my book, the answer is no. You're still a Jew, right? And so I love being Jewish. I mean, it's 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 it gives me a great source of pride. And what's been so amazing is watching my kids take that on themselves, right? That they don't fight and speak up and advocate for themselves because they know their mom wants them to. It's because they've developed their own identity and connection. That's the part that is so meaningful to me. You know, that's the part that makes me all weepy because when I look in the mirror these days, and and it's it, it's happened really in the last, I would say in the last like nine months, my person, my, the person you might call a soulmate, but I don't think soulmates have to be like sexual or romantic. My person was my grandfather. Mm. Um, you know, we looked alike. We, we were like sort of each other's beating heart. Um, my son is named for, our son is named for my grandfather. Um, and it's funny because I look in the mirror now and it's weird. Like I see my grandparents face staring back at me. Right. And not this like weird spooky way, but like I see like elements of their, you know, of a nose or eye. I, I see them back at me and I realize like this is what it was about. It was about passing our stories. And so for me, just changing my platform from sexuality to Judaism and Zionism, did it come at a price? Yeah, I think it does. Right. I think there are things that I will not be able to do. There are people who probably do not want to talk to me. But the truth is, I never really thought about what the outcomes could be. I did it because it was the right thing to do. And so now I look at this chapter of my life and I think, I have this amazing legacy. And, and now, now I'm just, you know, making it more public. And it's been, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I love where I am now. And I love the voice that I've developed. And I love knowing that people reach out to me online saying, you know, thank you for being a public voice. I, I, my kids get emails and texts from people quietly like, thank you for saying that because I didn't feel comfortable saying that in a classroom. I mean, that's that's what this is all about, right? Like at the end of the day, would I love to like change the world? Yes. But I do know that changing the world starts within your own little community. And so, you know, impacting one person sort of a domino effect. I think that's really inspirational. And I got to say, I'm very much moved by the message that you're leaving behind. Speaking of messages, though, I'm, I'm curious if, for mothers out there that are struggling to set an example, that are struggling to, you know, keep the family together and to ultimately display what it means to be a Jewish mother. What advice do you have for them? Such an important question. I do not pretend for a hot minute to be perfect at anything. I can be a mess. 
I'm sure you could hear a teenager yelling from the background, like, yes, she can be a mess. Did someone really just yell that? No, 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 no. He oh. didn't. <laughs> but it'd be funny if he did. But he, I mean, he could. But I think, I think that that part of a being, part of being a Jewish mother, is also to embrace our imperfections and to say we are not perfect at this. All we want is to do good for you. Like we want to be the best role models, support systems, teammates, allies for you, whatever it is that you need. And we're not always going to get it right. But I do think that being able to model, I'm sorry, I messed up, you were right, have a little bit of humility and vulnerability is really important. And I'm not suggesting that comes easy for any of us. But I do think it's it's important. And, and also it starts with thinking about what do you want? Right. One of the things that... I mean, women in particular don't get very asked very often. It's like, what really, what do you want? What do you want for you? What do you want for your family? How, how do those two things blend together? How, how can they coexist peacefully? But we don't always think about it. So, you know, hopefully someone's listening and thinking, you know what? I didn't realize I wanted this and this is how I get it. And, right. you know, and I don't have to be perfect. Big deal. So we're not perfect. Perfect well, is overrated. I yeah, perfect. Perfection is a perfection is also a sin, by the way. <laughs> there but, you, go. you know, I, I got to say, I think that's a really nice message in terms of, you know, not being uh, a perfect mother and, and, and every now and then having to admit when you're wrong, the something that my mother will never do because she's perfect. <laughs> so but on that note, I, I really do think that that's a really powerful message. And I think that for all the mothers out there that are looking to celebrate Mother's Day, I hope that you take something from this uh, amazing podcast. And I hope you do reach out to Dr. Logan Levkov. For those who are listening, how do you connect to you? How do I connect with me? I, I think some of it comes from looking in the mirror now and seeing an older, more mature, uh, a wisened version mm -hmm. of who I was. Uh, you know, I was, I, I know who I am. I was always big and loud and boisterous for things that I, I really did believe in and support and, and still do. But it feels like my work today is so much more important. I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I wake up feeling like I'm doing something so meaningful for me and for my family and for the generations to come. Um, and I, I, I want, I want moms. I want parents in general, but I, I want moms to remember that we have these incredible stories that we are entitled to tell our children, and we're entitled to connect them to our Jewish identity. We're entitled to ask questions about our Jewish identity, right? I mean, Judaism is all about questions and debate. It's one of the things I love the most that at our Yom Kippur, you know, break the fast dinner, everyone was fighting and arguing. I loved it. But then at the end, everyone would say, okay, love you. See you next week. Right? It wasn't, we are never speaking again, and that we don't respect each other and with anymore. There was debate. And so, by the way, sometimes it was debate just for the sake of debate, but it was it was wonderful. So I, I don't know. I, I, I connect to me. I think at the end of the day, what I love is I you don't I don't have them in my ears now, but I'm, I'm always walking around with earbuds in my ears. I connect to me, my myself through music. I walk around New York City as if I have I, I'm playing the soundtrack to my own movie all the time. Love that. I feel that. I feel that. Love that. So that's, that's, that's sort of, that was a very long winded way of saying how I connect to me, but I think it's through that. And for me, music is also incredibly spiritual and, mm. you know, changes how I see myself, how I see the day, how I tackle the day. 
Well, I, I absolutely love that. I can connect to that. And we, we did an episode about if, if music matters and you should check out the episode because the answer is surprising. No, it's not. We all know that music matters. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the, I want to thank you, Dr. Logan, Lef Logan Lefkoff, for being on this podcast and for, you know, also just, I think, being a great role model in general to, to mothers out there and to your children out there and to the next generations that, you know, are born into this wonderful life that comes with a fight. And yeah. I want to thank you for being for spearheading that fight and being one of the many elements of that. Thank you for being on this podcast. Well, thank you so much, Maya. I think I just remembered what I wanted to say. Oh, please <laughs> go ahead. You if you don't mind, and no, and it's please. it's on that note. I want moms to remember that we can teach our kids to stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves and do what's right, but they have to know that we have their back. So that means that we particularly when it comes to combating anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, we need to do our own research. We need to remember who we are. And the modeling is important because our kids aren't going to take giant risks if they don't know that we aren't going to fight alongside of them. And so I didn't think I was going to be a fighter, but I'm a fighter. So here I am. <laughs> I love that. That's so inspiring. That's great. Thank you so much for being on Bad Jew. This has been an excellent interview. Till next time. Shalom.